This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal show. We do. And we've said that before, but this actually is quite special. And and a lot of our episodes are. But uh, we have the Vice President of Development for the Cressy Development Group on the program, Jason Turcott. I'm super amped for this episode, partly because, you know, we got to sit down and have a, a, a two-on-one with uh, with Jason. A just tete-a-tete. A tete-a-tete, picking his brain on the market, talking about future areas, upcoming developments. Where they're what, buying, why they're not buying in other areas, yeah. uh, you know, what they're, what the market looks like coming in the future here. Totally. Where he thinks, the, you're going to actually hear where the Vice President of Development for Cressy thinks the market is heading for 2018. Where it's, else can you get this information? No, it's fantastic. And Anyways, so buckle up for that. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fascinating interview. But before we get to that, Matt. Yeah, before, I just wanted to mention one thing, and we're going to add it to the Livewire, our weekly newsletter that goes out. For sure. I've been talking to a lot of listeners, and a lot of our listeners are very savvy uh, investors, actually. This is this is true. I think we have some of the most savviest listeners and out data-driven there. data-driven people. Data-driven people. And uh, we've always provided stats that we pay for on top of the real estate board stats to our clients. And right. I've started sending certain people that are really keen on, on getting down and dirty with the stats, down <laughs> nitty-gritty uh, neighborhood level to see, you know, where is a good buyer's market? Where is a sure. good seller's market? What the sales ratios are in... Mount Pleasant East or in, you know. Where are the opportunities? Uh, exactly. For buyers and for sellers. And I've been sending these out and getting tons of positive feedback. Right. And it just, uh, it, it 
struck me the other day. Why don't we include this on the live wire? We this need is information. To be it. This is information that for sure we should get out there. So that is going to be in the live wire. So go on over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up. And you'll see those monthly updates and it's it's stats that you can't get anywhere else. Absolutely. And Matt, we've been starting the last few episodes with some stories and uh, more about us. But today, I just want to get right into this interview with Jason. It's a, it's a good one. It speaks for itself. So uh, without further ado, here's our interview with Jason Turcott. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development from Cresty Development Group. How are you doing, Jason? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. So can you maybe start, Jason, by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a, I'm a father of three girls and uh, I'm pretty much born and raised here in Vancouver. I uh, uh, moved here as a, as, a, as a baby and have grown up uh, partially Kitsilano and and then for the most part in North Vancouver went to school there and uh, really haven't left so that's uh, you know I got into this business uh, of real estate development young and and as the market was starting to rip roar a bit so uh, I've had all kinds of opportunity and and, uh, that's just really all I know so wow and and your daughters are are young or yeah well I've actually got uh, uh, three daughters uh, four uh, four, nine, and seven and a half, and I've got two stepsons as well, uh, wow. who are uh, eight oh. and eleven, or about to be eight and eleven. Yeah. So well, you're busy. You're we're busy. busy. Yeah, yeah. It's a busy. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it be sports or you know hockey, gymnastics, soccer, you know, and and you know try and fit some work in between. Yeah, no it's kidding. Go, 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 no question. So so it sounds like you've been in real estate basically from you know, the get-go, uh, at least in career-wise. How did you get your start? And uh, we have a lot of kind of mom-and-pop investors or people or aspiring investors. Uh, what type of advice do you have for, for aspiring real estate moguls out there? Um, I, you know, I, well, I'll answer the first part of your question first. Um, family. Uh, so my, uh, uh, my dad is involved in the construction side uh, of this business. And uh, so... I was a young guy in summers going all the way back. I think my first construction job was was the summer between grade 8 and 9. So it was a 13 going on 14-year-old. I was working on a construction site doing uh, taping poly, I think, around a TI job we wow. were doing. So, and, and so, you know, odd jobs through summer um, or, or, you know, even a, a year off after high school. I, I did a, a year of working on a warranty team. And, and I guess the point I'm making here is um, – uh, a breadth of of kind of experience, not just the, you know the stuff you learn at the solder school of business and real estate and all right. that kind of thing. Understanding what it takes to put a building together, which which really, man, that's what development is, right? You're right. You're, you're building something, whether it be you know a subdivision with roads or or, or a high rise or even a house, right? You know, I think you know having that broader. Uh, broader experience of of kind of doing it all and seeing it from every angle it, it gives you a better appreciation you you, you perhaps relate better to um, you know somebody who might be on the tools or is running a job on you know out in the field and right that it's certainly been a, a big help for me and and that was really my in it says I grow I grew up doing it I I knew 
kind of as I was doing my university thing that I, I, I wanted more to be on the business side of it as opposed to the construction management side. That was as much trying to distance myself from my from my from my dad and his world and sure. wanting to do something, you know, that wasn't like what he did. Um, or not quite like what he did. And so I, I pursued that angle. And, and like I said, when I started in this business, it was, uh, you know, 02. Uh, and the, the market was just really starting to, yeah. to, to get hot here. I mean, though, that was in the early days of, of that run up to 2008 that was yeah. just unbelievable. So, you know, and I got an opportunity at Cressy, uh, and uh, it was a little, uh, you know, throw. Th- throw you to the wolves and, and, and see if you can figure it out kind of an environment. You know, there was so much going on. They just needed people to run sites. And so the opportunity was there. And then, you know, if you can get that opportunity, you make the most of it. You know, right. So. And, and, and maybe uh, before you get to the second part of that question, can you just speak a little bit about what uh, you know, a vice president of development at Cressy, like what your day-to-day looks like? Well, it's a real good question. Yeah. You know, don't don't ask my owner because I don't know how I like the answer. Um, what does it mean? Basically, we have a team of uh, of four uh, development managers that um, really, from the point that we make a decision to to greenlight a project on an acquisition, and and I do get involved a little bit on the acquisition side with Hanny Lamam, our executive vice president, who handles you know the the bulk of our acquisition work. Um, you know, we'll we'll get down generally as, a, as an executive group and make a decision we want to run with the project, and then you know from that point forward we put a development manager on that job, and you know you know they're responsible really. The way we run our shop is 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 they they are the 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 sole proprietor of that project. You know, put together the model, figure out what we need for for financing, how we're going to work that. You know, uh, hiring the consulting teams, being part of the product development, obviously municipal approvals. Our role of development managers um, is far broader than the than you know that it means different things in different companies. Our 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 company runs it as a very 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 lean structure. It's not there's not a lot of uh, uh, levels to it. And basically, um, you know, we take that project all the way to to getting ready to build it and um, um, and market the project, whether it's pre-sale and whatnot. And so my job is really to be a resource for those guys, you know. So I get involved in, 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 a, in a to a lesser degree in all the projects that they're all running. We meet with them regularly. I, I kind of review where they're at. I give them uh, points of advice where I can. I, I'm, but more than anything, I, I'm a sounding board and a resource for those guys to, to kind of debate things with and make sure that we're, we're pushing the envelope and doing what we can do to build build some cool projects. Yeah. And any advice for uh, for aspiring real estate moguls? Yeah, I think it goes back to that that uh, that uh, that the original point I was making, and that you know, you, you, it's a job a lot of people want. You know, mm-hmm. especially the you know the young guys coming out of business school. Everybody wants to be a developer and, and work for one of the companies that gets to change the skyline. It's 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 a really cool job. No kidding. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that it's just enough to come in in a fancy suit with a business degree. You know, I think if you really want to show somebody that you you mean it, um, come in with some experience where you bang, you know you hammered nails on a, in a summer and you right. and you and you, you pushed a broom around and you. Um, you know, maybe you did an intern not on a developer, but you did it in a landscape architect's office. You know, to see what that world's all about. Breadth of experience because. Uh, there is no schooling. There's no. There's no course you take to be a developer. I mean, it is really basic, fundamental nuts and bolts, business common sense, mm. with an appreciation to the to the tangible product that we build. Right? It's right. bricks and mortar at the end of the day. Um, 
so understanding spaces and that kind of thing, you know, just having appreciation for all the aspects of it. Yeah, and in and in Cressy's case, really, really nice kitchens. <laughs> we try, we try. <laughs> um, so you guys are developing all over um, a lot of notable buildings in Vancouver. Do you have any areas that you're really excited about right now? Yeah, there, there's there's. There's so much going on right now, you know. I, I, I still I still like some of the. It probably sounds you've heard it before. Some of these urban centers that are that are happening on these these SkyTrain lines are, are impressive. Like you know, we we actually haven't done any work in Brentwood, um, a bit strategically, and maybe that was a miss on our part. But I, I drove by there, a beautiful evening sunset, and I'm looking at these the skyline of towers there. Yeah. And it is just absolutely phenomenal, the, 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 the town center that is developed in 10 years. I mean, I, some of the stuff was there a little longer, but the bulk of that is in the last 10 years. And um, I think as a region, our strategy of, of really intensifying density around that, the rapid transit that we do have, and it's so underdeveloped as far as rapid transit goes, I, I will just throw that in there. Um, we should be doing way more. Uh, those those are cool little hubs that are starting to happen, and and once they mature, I think those 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 uh, they'll go through some growing pains, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and as they often do, you know, you get these these new buildings and a lot of people moving in. There's not a lot of uh, kind of roots that have been laid by business, etc. Give those 10 years, and those communities are going to just be really cool. So whether it be Brentwood or Metrotown or even Coquitlam, low heat area, um, the one area I really like, and we've done a few projects that I've always really liked it, and it actually is probably the one that's seen the least amount of um, um, boom in terms of the activity around uh, SkyTrain is, is the Coquitlam City Center area, right around City Hall. Right. And I love that area because it's flat, it's super walkable, it's got Lafarge Lake Park, and, and I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful community there with, with as far as the built amenities that are already there. And I do think there's a bunch more development coming. We're, we're done there for the time being, so I'm not being self-serving. I really do think that will be an awesome uh, high-density multifamily community. Great. I don't know if you if you care to speak to. I was kind of taken by your point about strategically avoiding Brentwood. Is there? Can you speak a little bit of that? And just pique my interest there. Well, yeah, um, it's actually uh, when we every time we looked at Brentwood, you'd say, okay, well, here's a real nice big site. You know, this looks great. It's yeah. got all this density, and then you look, you go, well, there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. And, and all of a sudden, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of right. units that potentially could be coming to the market, and which ultimately a lot of them did. Maybe not at quite the pace we, we thought they could because the, you know, the cities have been so busy, and that's mm-hmm. a whole other issue. Um, it's an old warehouse district, right? It's an old industrial area where the, they're big, big properties, so it makes acquisition, uh, barriers to acquisition, uh, you know, in, in entry. Um, through acquisition, relatively low, mm-hmm. because you, there's so much value add through this through the area plan, yeah. going from a light industrial or industrial land with big sites to a high density residential mixed use. Right. So uh, we always saw the 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 threat of of a lot of product as being a, as a t- deterrent. Now, as it turns out. The market was so robust over that period of time, where a lot of this stuff, or any of the opportunities that we passed on, frankly, um, uh, it was so robust that it, it never did actually oversaturate the market. And right. you know, a lot of these guys did really, really well in, in developing some of these communities. So it, that's why I said it might have been a miss. But at the time, you know, you work with the with the parameters that you're faced with, and it was uh, that, that's why we ended up at that. Conclusion. Yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. Do you have any projects that you that you guys are working on now that you're excited about? Yeah, you know, we're probably leaner now in terms of condominium projects than we have been any time. I've been there 15 years now, over 15 years. Um, but what we do have is a pipeline full of uh, of some rental projects. Uh, wow. We are, um, our company, our group of companies is a very substantial uh, residential landlord. And, and part of our oper- our mantra is to, to continue to add to that, you know, continue to rejuvenate and, and renew that stock. And that's through... Uh, acquisition and development of new, new purpose-built rental buildings, as well as as redevelopment of some of our older uh, buildings, and we're doing that on a couple right now. Uh, the the Hensley project that we just recently right. uh, launched, the condominium tower, has actually got a, a sister tower to it as part of the development, which is which is uh, going to be 200 plus uh, units, and it's actually the redevelopment of a property that we we uh, we built in the very early 80s that was needing to be redeveloped. And um, so we're doubling up the units there. So that's going to go from 100 rental units to 200 plus the condominium tower. We're also working on redeveloping a, um, a property that um, our founder, Norm, I think he bought that property way, way back in the early 70s, maybe even late 60s. And it's a beautiful two-acre property right across from, uh, from Lionsgate Hospital. And we're going to redevelop that with a whole different concept of rental. And that's what I'm really excited about. Rental's changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our marketplace is, is ready for it. You know, the... the, the uh, the dream of ownership, I think, for millennials has changed from the generation before, recognizing how difficult it is to buy. Even high-income earners don't have the down payment because you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. Um, I think so. the appetite to just be totally comfortable renting is changing. It's going a little bit more towards the American model where we're, that is more the norm. Home ownership is a smaller percentage down there. So we've been studying those markets. We've been very active in Seattle, building rental down there with a partner that we have in Seattle. And these buildings are, you know, um, uh, nice suites, but they're relatively small, but insane amenities, like just very robust, you know, wow. all, you know, multi- multi-purpose rooms, um, huge lobbies. I mean, they feel more like hotels. And that concept, I think we're ready for it here. So mm-hmm. we got a few strategic uh, sites that we're, we're going to do a kind of a whole new level of rental here. And I'm excited about those for sure. When you say that... <laughs> Because we often talk about, and we've been talking, you know, on the podcast over the last couple of years about millennials and how difficult it is to get into the market, um, and and often we hear the advice, you know, just get in by hook or crook, do whatever you can. Like we had John Stovall on recently. He's, you know, he was like, just try and get in. With that kind of shift in mentality and and more uh, along the lines of say San Francisco or New York, where people just are lifelong renters and that's just the way it is. Um, what would be your advice to millennials? Is that kind of a, a viable strategy here? Oh, I think so. I mean, uh, we were talking before we hit record there a little bit about this, and I, and I mentioned to you that this might be the the trickiest time to be asked that question uh, in in my you know uh, experience in this in this in this business. Um, but I still think, and my advice has always been uh, to anybody looking to buy: when's the right time to buy? Should I buy now? Where should I buy? It's always been buy, yeah, if you can, but don't buy unless you plan to hold for five years. And the other question is why? Why don't I just flip it? Well, you might, and then that may be a short-term investment that works out for you. But don't make your decision to buy unless you're prepared to hold for five years. And my right. sense is, if you're prepared to hold for five years, you probably will do okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, our marketplace is, um, um, I mean, it's it's such a unique 
and geographically. I mean, it's just, you can't, you can't, there's, there's nowhere else like this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you were to pick it, I don't know what the magic number is. I say five years because it seems like a long enough time that probably if you hit a dip, you're going to see the other side of it. Um, and uh, um, it's not going to change. I mean, we're still going to be an attractive place for people to continue to come forever. It's never going to change because we, you know, we're an oceanfront city with mountains and, and a border and it's going to be dense and it's going to be you know, sought after. And so there may be uh, macroeconomic influence, like, you know, like maybe what we're going through a little bit right now, which might put pause in markets places from, from time to time. But I think over a medium term, like five years, you're probably not going to lose. Right. That's actually a, a good segue to, um, to our next question about, about the recent announcement of the NDP budget. What are your thoughts on how, how policy changes have been brought in and just recently and also the foreign buyer tax when it hit uh, two years ago? Oh, I'm, I'm pausing to debate how honest I should be. Who's listening to this? Uh, uh, mostly people interested in real estate. <laughs> um, you know, my big issue with how they've implemented all these taxes, going even back, so let's, let's start with that, the foreign buyer's tax. Um, my problem is less with the tax as it is with the notion that you invite people to come and invest their dollars and then and then entrap them. Yeah. And I've used that word. It feels like entrapment. Mm-hmm. Um, here, you know, come play our game. Come come invest in our city. Here are the rules of the day. Here are the here are the taxation measures. Here it is. Make your investment. In some cases, that investment might be, you know, very big. You know, if you're talking about right. investment into a multifamily residential apartment building, for example, that might have been, let's just say, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 million dollars. Uh, and they do that in good faith. They, you know, they, they, you know, whether, you know, they bring their foreign dollars here from whatever part of the earth it yeah. is, it just makes no difference. Right. And then you slap them with a 15% tax once they get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of feels like telling somebody you want to take them for dinner and then going and, you know, order whatever you want. You know, it's beautiful. all the wine you want. No problem. Yeah. I got this. Just got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. When the bill comes, you hand it to them, right? Or you yeah. say, well, yeah, I'm going to, you know, it, it, that's a bit how it feels yeah. to me. And that's not right. And so yeah. it, it feels that way a little again with the recent announcement. It's in that I get that the NDP government had, had, had been elected on a platform where they were going to do something. And yeah. I fully expected that they would. And they had to. Right? And they yeah. had to. Yeah. I mean, whether it, whether it's the right thing to do or not, politically, they had to do something. Mm-hmm. And my issue is not with the taxation. Uh, I, I mean, I have some issues. My primary issue is around taxing people who have already made a decision mm-hmm. who, under the rules of the day. And, and in this case, under these taxation measures, whether you're talking about somebody who's just been you know, they might have bought a property many, many years ago on a teacher's salary that's right. now worth $5 million just because they worked really hard. They worked hard. They saved their money. They was, it might have been a couple of teachers. Yeah. But they bought it for hundred or $200,000 30 years ago, and now it's worth $5 bucks, And they're going to pay tens of thousands of dollars in premiums on this new uh, additional school tax just because they worked real hard 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Right. Doesn't seem right. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to pay that every year. Uh, likewise with the speculation tax and someone who's, you know, invested their money from Alberta, you know, or from the United States or, or frankly, someone who doesn't pay enough income tax now because they're retired. They've, mm-hmm. they've made that investment. It's no longer their primary residence. And they're being taxed on something that they already they already paid their due. Mm-hmm. They paid the taxes of the day. They pay their property taxes every year. They might have lived here their whole life and paid income tax. And they're now they're getting dinged. Yeah. You know, it just... 
to, to, to say we're going to impose new restrictions on future transactions, now you have a choice. Do you want to do it or not? No problem. I, I, you can't really argue with yeah. that. But to just simply go into someone's pocket the way they have, to me, that's where it didn't quite work. Right. Yeah, and I think back to in 2016 when we we actually had uh, his name was Mac I think uh, he he was a, an American who just literally had bought a property graphic designer graphic designer I was somebody headhunted to Vancouver you know uh, made a decent salary but wasn't you know definitely not the enemy whatever the enemy looks like yeah. and uh, and he didn't have his PR yet and you know he's suddenly in full panic 80, mode $80,000 or, or a little bit yeah, more like, if he didn't complete within the week and you know I mean it, it it was that retroactive nature of the tax I think that yeah. was was you know part of it which was pretty alarming right yeah and and i think that's the same kind of thing with with the additional school tax and the speculation tax they, they're retroactive mm-hmm. and not only are they mm-hmm. retroactive they're retroactive and they hit you every year yeah right yeah um because they're 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 taxing people that have already i don't want to get too onto this topic but yeah. but you know i think that the ndp probably very cleverly um, not that I not that I love it, but cleverly disguised it with this real real catchphrase of speculation tax. Well, yeah, when it actually has not much at all to do with speculation. Well, it actually is not at all, and and so you know they and now they're standing behind polls, um, and you hear polls of well, no, eighty percent of British Columbians polled support the idea of a speculation tax. Well, I can guarantee you, seventy nine point five of those eighty percent don't actually know that it's not really a speculation yeah. tax. I mean, yeah, who right. wouldn't support a speculation tax? Yeah. Right. Most people, if it was truly about trying to limit speculation, would say, yeah, no, I'm in support of that. But when you really look at what it's doing and who it's affecting the most, I'm not sure that that 80% would, if educated, would still agree. Right. Yeah, they called it the speculation tax for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was very political. Pretty, pretty yeah. smart. So, you know, we've had a, an incredible run um, here the last four or five years just thinking about um the the stress test that came in this year um you know the interest rate uh increases that we've seen now the 30-point housing plan from the from the ndp uh we've had some uh groups trying to pour cold water on this market for a long time and it doesn't seem to really impact it what are your thoughts on on the rest of this year in terms of the market uh I, I think, I, well, I'll answer the question in two parts. I, what I see for the next three months is is, is a lot of what we saw in February. Um, it's still active. Is it going to be as active as it has been in the relevant months in the 10-year average? Is probably not, but that's 10 of the hottest years of real estate that we've ever seen in this right, province. Right. Um, so I, I continue to foresee that the numbers will be off um, as people wait and see um, the, the, the fallout. Um, you're also going to see listings down, so I don't foresee prices softening. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes back to that the initial point of people are still coming and nobody's really leaving. I know there's some talk about people leaving Metro Vancouver, but these are relatively small numbers relative to the to the to the net immigration from both, uh, well, primarily foreign. Um, um, so I, I don't see that, that even though the transactions are going to slow, I don't see that prices are going to soften at all because I think you're going to see a corresponding drop in, in, uh, in listings. Um, now, what happens towards the summer should be really interesting because um, one of the things that eventually we will see is, a, is, a, is a, the next project that comes will not be more expensive than the last. 
It may mm. not be less, but it won't be more. And what it will do, you know, is is it will slow that uh, feeling like you can just get into a pre-sale and you've already made money. And, and that's driving, for sure, a lot of people to invest. Do they have good intentions of, of closing and renting? And they may well, but mm-hmm. I'm guaranteeing that a lot of the motiva- motivation comes from, well, just like every project's more expensive, so I buy and then I've made money already. Right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when the next project comes and it's not more expensive than the last. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a little less. Maybe it's even the same. Um, the trickle down effect of that, and that that may that may result in in you know the condominium market, which seems to have been bucking the trend. I mean, you look at the numbers. Single family sales are like way off. Yeah. But overall, we're off only a tiny bit. It's because the, the condo sales are still plowing ahead, and those don't even pick up most of the pre-sales that we do in our market because most of the pre-sales don't hit MLS. Right. Of course. And I can tell you the pre-sale market has been smoking hot. Like it's, right. it's you know, it's still the, uh, it's it's the go-to. I yeah. think a lot of people look at it and go, okay, I'm going to get in now and you know, I'll get two, two and a half, three years before I got to complete. Yeah. I can kind of figure some things out. I can get a renter. Um, so yeah, I think when that next project comes and it's not more than the last, it'll be the, it'll be the litmus test for sure. Interesting. And And thinking back to the last 10 years and just how explosive the market has been, did did you did you see that happening or was that a, did did that catch you you off guard or Cressy more generally off guard at just how busy condos and townhomes like and especially since what 2015 when it just kind of popped right yeah it was 20 no I would say yeah I fully expected everything up until 2015 and then uh, to say that I expected what happened in the last two three years two three years yeah. no uh, right. and 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 I have to say that because we sold a project in 2015 that is now worth. 300 or 400 dollars more a square foot and we're still not done and if i'd known i would have hung on but uh uh you know no i didn't see that i mean we saw just a great market running up to that felt pretty uh uh, pretty healthy and and certainly frothy uh from from an activity and a price escalation perspective from basically the recovery of 09 there's a few little dips but right into 2015 and then um you know we had a year year and a half that was just exceptionally hot in comes the tax okay well there's the cool off well the cool off lasted five months yeah right january rolled around and boom the tap turned back on yeah. right yeah and uh, so no i wasn't expecting that i expected that uh, you know when we started hitting some of those price points where uh, you know a one bedroom out in the in the in the suburbs was costing you you know four hundred thousand dollars we were kind of pushing that ballpark right. you know you, it was it was Basically, we were getting around 600 a foot. Yeah. Um, I thought, well, you know, that, that's, that seems like this is starting to get to be big numbers. And, yeah. uh, uh, but no, we didn't stop there. It went, it went on a good run after that. Yeah, well, I was thinking when you were talking about Brentwood, I mean, I think some of the projects there are selling 1,200 a foot pre-sale. Uh, and it's, you know, it's uh, pretty close to that, at least. Yeah, I've heard some numbers that t- t- certainly 1,100, so yeah. you're not far off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which... You know, five years ago downtown would have seemed like a real huge number. Yeah. Right. So Vancouver House. <laughs> I remember when yeah, Vancouver yeah. House came out at I think around eleven hundred a foot. And it yeah. Was shocking. Yeah, and that wasn't that was only about five years ago. If yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Jason, we have this segment called the Five Wire. Can you stick around for that? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Great. So, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Favorite neighborhood in Vancouver. You know what? I'm actually going to go with the West End, uh, and I know it's changing uh, rapidly. Uh, but uh, early in my early in my career, I, I dated a girl who lived in the West End, west of west of Denman, um, old three story walk up, yeah. and 
you know, I'd hang out there a bunch and just thought, man, this is cool. You know, like I, I always thought when I, you know, I didn't live there, but I was visiting a lot. And I thought, you know, when I when I get to the point where I don't need the house anymore, because I'd kind of now gotten on to, you know, thinking about family and all that kind of thing, you know, uh, I'd love to go back and live there. You know, right. I just think it's so charming. It's got that, it's got those roots I talked about that take kind of years to establish, you know, right. so the vegetation's mature, these little pocket parks. Yeah. That's my thing. I think it's just a real charming little community. Great. Fantastic. Favorite bar or restaurant? And I know it sounds like with five kids in the mix, you probably don't get on as much <laughs> as you once did. But uh, You know what? It's probably anything sushi. I'm a real big sushi guy. So uh, there's a new spot over on, uh, in, uh, on Lonsdale, North Van, not far from where we live, uh, that, uh, that I really like going to. It's uh-huh. casual. You can bring the kids. Great sushi. I'm a, I love sushi. So. Great. And, the, and the name? Yeah, it's called Umi. Umi Sushi. Yeah. Westside Mansion or uh, Downtown Pentos? For me? Ooh. Or three-story walk-up in West of Denver? <laughs> <laughs> no, Westside Mansion. I'm not a mansion guy. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine that's my thing. I would, I'll, I'll go multifamily because it's what we do. Right. Uh, so somebody comes from out of town, first place you take them? Somebody from out of town. Uh, hmm. You know, I, I love to take people, you know, I'm a North Van guy, so so um, I grew up hiking around up on the Baden-Powell Trail and, yeah. and, you know, finding cool spots with a creek and a bridge, and so probably somewhere there, somewhere somewhere uh, uh, that you just don't normally see. Right. It's pretty special, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. So what was the last thing you bought for under $200 that uh, has kind of been, you know, a bit of a game changer for you? Last thing I bought. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a new question we're trying out. It's uh, <laughs> have you bought have you bought anything in the last in the last six months or so for under two hundred bucks that has been a, a worthwhile purchase? I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> probably something for my wife, but I I don't know. Well, maybe not because it was under two hundred dollars. I'm not sure she'd be too thrilled with it. <laughs> we'll say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a great bottle of wine. You know, we, yeah. we like to relax in the evening and have a bottle of wine and you yeah. know, some 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 nice wine that we probably bought. Yeah, yeah. perfect. So, how can people find out more about uh, what Cressy's doing and what you're doing, Jason? Um, you know, I, follow us on uh, on uh, social media. We get Facebook uh, and Instagram, um, uh, Twitter feed. Uh, check out our website, Cressy dot com. Uh, it tells you a little bit there and. Uh, Certainly, we try and tease uh, the upcoming stuff on, uh, on on our social media channel. So check us out. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. That was a fascinating discussion. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thanks. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Jason Turcott over at the Cressy Development Group. Very, very interesting conversation with Jason. For sure. Um, super. Actually, it was it was crazy that he actually came into the office, too, because we do a lot of our interviews. Every Anyone that listens to our show knows that we do a ton of interviews over the phone. And uh, it was just great having him there in person. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, I think chatting. he came in because he thought we were Roundhouse Radio. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Partly because we identified ourselves as Roundhouse Radio. Um, but no, that Boy, was, was he, Seth. <laughs> he was disappointed. But. Yeah, yeah. Glad he stuck around, though. But yeah. that was, uh, no, it was it was a really good interview with him, and uh, we appreciate him taking the time. And uh, Matt, before we cut for the day, we've got some other stuff over at 
VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Yeah, I mean, hey, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com is your one-stop shop. We've had tons of people going over and signing up. We've had tons of awesome conversations with people. And uh, the reason to go there, apart from just talking to us, is we have amazing resources over there. Absolutely, such as private client services. Matt, if you are not using private client services, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. It is the best search engine available to anyone who's looking for properties. It gives you sold prices. It gives you days on market. It's updated. Realtor-level information. Yeah, 36 to 72 hours before the public MLS. It's the best thing out there. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS and sign up today. And you know what? Brady D's not here, but uh, we also have a mobile app. If you're keen to look at real estate on the go, this is the resource for you. And I can say yesterday, uh, we've talked a lot about augmented reality on this show. I used it. You used it yesterday. I used it yesterday. What I was, building? I was, no, not Curious. a building. Was it a crusty building? A, no, no, no. Those don't come up for sale very often. No. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, you like nice. that? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, no. I was walking down Garden Avenue and saw a house with a for sale sign. Literally opened the app and pointed it at the house. All the information right there. It was incredible. Really? Yeah, I'm not kidding. It, it does it for houses too, not just every, everything. It's your reality is head over to com and sign up today. It's, it's phenomenal. So so head over, do that mobile app. We got you on the on the desktop as well. Absolutely, and get deal of the month. Uh, we've got a mail out. It's uh, get on our mailing list. It's it's really it's it's worth your time and effort. And you also get that stats package. Yeah, so. you get the stats package. You get deal of the month. You get updates, tips, investor tips, uh, market information all the time. It's at your fingertips. It's the best stuff out there. So go sign up today. So Matt, how can people get a hold of you? Get a hold of me at any time, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And Adam? Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And we're bringing back the nonpartisan line. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Because guess what? Matt's feelings have been getting hurt a lot lately. It's a lot of people reaching devast- out to me. It's just devastating. So here, let's, let's, let's let the pendulum swing a bit. Get a hold of Matt. <laughs> like England do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Have yeah. a good week, guys. We'll see you next Wednesday. Take care. England swings like a pendulum do. Bobby's own bicycles two by two. Westminster Abbey, the Tower of Big Ben. The rosy red cheeks of the little children. Now if you huff and puff and you finally save enough money, if you take your family... Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, 
What's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 